Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 249 and it is Tuesday, August 10th, 2021. I am your host, Victor Omoyo. And with me, as always, is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. What's happening, everybody? Yes, as Carl is sharing the introduction, he's slightly out of frame, um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but you know we are we are here once again in the Codex Prime Zoom studios, and joining us this week we have a very special guest, all yes, the way indeed. live. Yes, indeed. Yes. Can I take uh, over the intro? By all means, sir. Now let me tell y'all something. I did not know this individual can sing the way that she can until at her grandfather's funeral, my father was there and she said, listen, your cousin tore it up. She out saying her aunt, who had, who's like a, you know, local legend down in the Baltimore area and completely blew her out of the water. <laughs> but she has traveled. She's on Broadway, part of the ensemble cast and The Lion King. And I got the honor and privilege to call her my cousin. Right on. Ladies and gentlemen, Joanne Ford. Hey, Exactly. <laughs> right on. Yes. Wel- welcome to the Codex Prime podcast. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. All right. All right. How about you guys? We are. We doing. We doing all right. All right. You know, weather's kind of so-so up here, but uh, trying to stay safe throughout all this. Yeah. But we making do. We doing our thing. Yeah, and you know where, you know, and and for this week, uh, we'll we'll be, uh, you know, we'll have a nice, like, like a cool conversation. You know, we'll talk a bit about your career, some things you've been up to, uh, your work, uh, you know, some of your uh, favorite artists, influences, things like that. And then uh, we'll we also have a we'll also have a, like a fun uh, a game uh, called this or that. Uh, more on more on that later. <laughs> and then uh, and then we'll also have a, a our our weekly feature, the uh, Codex Retrospective, in which we uh, t- highlight some uh, you know popular um, album releases and movies and video games of yesteryear of decades past. So you know we, we have all that in store. Um, and uh, also we have a friend in the chat here, a friend of the show, John Haponic. Um, he's chiming in, and 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 also uh, for John and all, all of our listeners, yes, for next week's episode, our 250th, uh, we will review uh, the new uh, Suicide Squad film, which came out uh, last Friday in theaters and on HBO Max. We're really doing that on 250. Yeah, 250 episodes, man. <laughs> and we're talking about Suicide Squad. Yeah, I, I lost track of this. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 also Joanna, just to give you a, a, a bit of a um, bit more insight of, of what of what we do on a podcast and how long we've been around. We've been around since uh, May of 2015, and we've been like we started we started with uh, two other two other friends of ours, and then um, we became a two man show in May of 2017, and we've been keeping the train going ever since. So, yeah. 
thank you. You know, we do what we can. Appreciate that. We trying. <laughs> so, Joanna, yeah, the spotlight's just going to be on you. So, so, give the people, you know, tell us about yourself. Give us, you know, your humble beginnings. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I am from Baltimore City uh, and grew up and raised, born and raised West Baltimore um, into a pretty unique kind of family. Very musical family. As I very musical family um and i always knew that i loved music i always knew that i was talented but i was painfully shy and just did not like being in front of people was very insecure just didn't like even lifting my head up while i was walking you know i memorized my friends walk by their shoes and like my friends by their walk in their shoes that's how much i looked to the ground um which they thought was very sad. <laughs> I'm like, hi. I remember being on a, in high school, there was a stairwell um, that I could see people's feet in their legs before I could see their faces coming down. And I'd be like, oh, hi, Tammy. And she was like, oh my gosh, how'd you know it was me? I said, I memorized your walk. She said, that's sad. <laughs> but uh, so very bashful, very shy, but always knew that I was, you know, musically inclined, um, and took piano lessons and played clarinet in band when I was in elementary school, all the way through high school. Um, but never really considered that music could even be a career because I was just like, ah, that's inconsistent. I want consistency. I want to make money. So when I went away to college, I was like, how can I be a lawyer? But I didn't realize how soul-sucking um, studying something that wasn't particularly interesting would be. Um, and eventually, I switched over to music, went to Essex Community College, CCBC, yeah. uh, where I know you went. No, I went to I went to um, Community College of Baltimore County in Catonsville. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So it's all one community. CC Community College of Baltimore County, and they have different branches. You went to Catonsville, I went to Essex. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so um, I went there and um, really, like, I mean, really at the last minute registered class, like classes that already started like two days and in, and my mom, like I was sad and depressed. I was like, I didn't know what I would do with my life. I was like, come here and take these classes. So I registered for classes, and I remember the first day um, of a theory class, the, the teacher, Mr. Ronald Gretz, he was like, oh, we're going to learn how to write four-part harmony. And I was like, yay! Like, <laughs> oh, this sounds fun! Um, so I did that for two years, and I really excelled there and thrived there. And after those two years... Um, I got a full scholarship to Morgan State and traveled with the choir uh, at Morgan State University, which was at the time very uh, uh, internationally known. I mean, they traveled all over. I got to go to Ghana with them, the islands with them, and do tours in the U.S. I, like every weekend we were going somewhere. We had like the performance schedule of like, you know, like a, a professional touring group, like a semi-professional touring group. Um, so 
did a lot of things with them, graduated from Morgan, had a Fulbright, lived in Germany, Berlin, Germany for a while, studied there, got to perform there, got to record there a little bit, um, do opera there, uh, and came back home, grad school at University of Michigan. I taught at Morgan after the grad school, uh, so I came back and I was able to teach because they were like, she's ready. I feel like Morgan is so interesting because I feel like I was like Dwayne Wayne from a different world. <laughs> like the nerdy kid, and then he came back and taught. That was me. I was the girl version of Dwayne Wayne. Did, did you have the glasses with the sunglasses flipped up? I didn't have the glasses, uh, but I was in there. And uh, from there, um, teaching didn't thrill my soul. I have to say, like, it wasn't necessarily, like, I liked my students, but I still felt like, and I was encouraged by my mentor to just go and pursue my career. And so uh, I moved to New York, and uh, I got to perform with Harlem Opera Theater. Um, and while I was performing with Harlem Opera Theater, I was auditioning musical theater at night, which is terrible for example, I'm like, you're going to mess up your bel canto if you sing anything other than classical music, and your shin will, your voice will fall to your shin, what are you doing? But I really enjoyed singing other styles of music, um, my band, like I said, very musical, especially like jazz, like, we do that particularly well, <laughs> what you do? I, I sing jazz, my aunt, what she do? I skit a lot, <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's what it was. So I eventually made a switch, started doing working with the USO show troupe, um, started doing cruise work, from cruise work, small theater work, small theater work, national tour, national tour. Um, I had actually had to stop touring. And then after I stopped touring, uh, the pandemic <laughs> was like, hello to your whole life. Um, but, you know, it's been a journey, and I'm grateful to have had the experiences that I've had. Like, I've sung in Ghana, sung in Europe, sung in the Caribbean, and South and Central America. Like, it's just been quite the journey, and to go from the really chicken girl who didn't want to do any of this in public to... All right, time to get on stage. It's, you know, this is really a testimony, a testament to a God. They say God doesn't um, call the equipped, he equips the call. So I think of it more like that because I never would have thought of ever singing in an opera. I never would have thought, I never ever would have thought of any of that stuff. at all, but that's what I've been able to do. It's just just an obstacle. That's what I've been able to do, and you know, grateful to God for my experiences. Right. One thing that like surprised me because I remember my father just you know he would get you know keep me posted posted with uh, everything that you had going on and stuff, and then you know we would chat online here or there, and then one day he just comes to me. You know, Joanna's singing out in uh singing opera out in uh Europe. Really? Like, it was just, it just seemed so random, like, just randomly, like, Joanna's in Europe. Like, how did that come about? So, uh, 
shout out to Morgan State University, which, by the way, I uh, I pushed that on my niece, who's about to next year she'll be applying to school. So while she was here, I made her. This is Morgan. You should apply here. <laughs> Why don't you? They had you can dump the yard. You can go like. But shout out to Morgan. Morgan actually, I had no clue. But Morgan puts out the largest amount of black bull riders in the United States. And Fulbright is um, just a, a, a national, a nationally acclaimed scholarship where students go to different countries and just study for a year, half a year, uh, sometimes it's extended to two years in that foreign country. So after grad school, um, I mean, after undergrad, uh, during my last year, I applied to the Fulbright, and uh, right after I graduated, I got the call saying, hey, you got accepted. So I said yes, and I came to Germany, and I studied um, musicology, uh, or what they would say, music is a shot, at a Humboldt University in Berlin. Um, and so that's how it happened. It was because of Morgan. Uh, particularly, they had a um, Fulbright office that they helped me to write my grant proposal and, and helped me to edit and say what I needed to say in order to be kind of stand up from the crowd. And uh, so that's how that happened. And being in Morgan, and being in Germany, networking there, applying the programs there, seeing what I could do, you know. Learning a whole nother language, <laughs> right? Going to language school in the daytime and going to my music history classes at night um, was a whole thing. But I did it. And uh, I had a just an incredible experience widening my horizons there and, and ending it all up with um, the opera, with Weimar Lyric Opera Studio. So that was just really, really nice. Yeah, that is, that is amazing. So, um, like, okay, you are, you know, you are pretty, you know, versatile when it comes to your music. What kind of singer would you classify yourself as? For me, singing is like whatever I want to sing at that moment. <laughs> I remember being really like, what should I say? You know, I'm trained classically, but I love all these other styles as well. I'm really confused. I don't know which way to go. And uh, my mentor, I remember, um, just kind of desperate. I wanted a job, and my friend, was he worked in the uh, Air Force. Air Force, uh, they have a chorus. chorus mm -hmm. Like a pretty thing, like the president's own, I think that's what that's called. So, anyways, the Air Force chorus. And it's a big deal if you get a position there. Um, and I remember what the audition requirements were were like two choreas or an aria and uh, like a contemporary piece and a musical theater piece. And I knew contemporary music, you know, and I knew how to sing an aria, but. I had no musical theater experience. Like, I never picked up a musical theater piece ever. And I picked up uh, You Are Your Daddy's Son from Ragtime. 
and um, I remember at this time I was kind of struggle voice, and in my voice lessons, my teacher would stop me every time. I'll try it again, start again. I'll try it again, try it again. But as I sang, you're you're your daddy's son. I remember doing the intro, and um, she stopped the music. Yeah. I, I have nothing to say about that. And I was like, you don't? You always have something to say. And uh, she was like, no. You see, this is nothing. And I'm playing the classical to the music theater. And it just makes it all the better. And I was like, okay, keep going. She let me sing the whole song. Like, that was the impossible dream. Singing a whole song in a voice lesson. She's a pretty tough cookie. Um, so I remember auditioning and having fun singing the musical theater piece. And um, auditioning for another naval, like the Navy had a jazz band. And that being the most fun audition I ever had in my entire life. <laughs> it was like with a big old jazz band. And I had to learn all this music. And I was just, I mean, it was like, it was so much fun. Like, it was just so much fun. I was like, this is fun. I didn't make it into either the chorus or anything. And it didn't matter because at the time, I had just gotten picked up to do an opera for a Harlem opera. Mm-hmm. But just the move to New York and then having just my little one musical theater piece and auditioning with that and that opening doors. And then eventually, people had to learn some more musicals. So learning more music things of that nature um that just the doors were kind of just wide open in that field so um so i guess to answer your question it's whatever pays me to sing my i said to my mentors she was like you should be doing this all the time i said i don't know what this means like do i not do classical music i don't know and she said no you do it all you and you and because you're truly a flexible artist in this field you still train you still do whatever but what this means is that you should stay employed (laughs) (laughs) so um how did the lion king opportunity come about um auditioning the first time i auditioned for the lion king they had me on their radar but i wasn't a great actor and neither was i an incredible shape or form. Um, only being classically trained, you know, you just step out on stage. Yeah. The orchestra's behind you. You look at the first show. And you say, like, <laughs> there's nothing. <laughs> there's no movement. I'm not, you know, a nice little flick of the wrist. Flick of the wrist. That's all you get. <laughs> That's all you're going to get. You're not going to get. I mean, there's emotion, but yeah. So, um, yeah, they liked my voice, but they didn't like really, like, they knew my voice was good, but they didn't really like anything else, and I knew I needed to take, like, acting lessons, so I took more acting lessons, and actually, I spent a year in a 
theater, uh, West Coast Black Theater Troupe in Sarasota, Florida, um, uh, artistic director Nate Jacobs. Nate heard me sing on the ship when I was doing After Midnight on a ship, and um, I had to do a cabaret for him, and I sang, he made me sing in this cabaret, something I never would have been, we'll be flexible, Aretha Franklin's respect. So I sang the first three notes, what you want. The band stopped because they weren't expecting that to come out a little old me. <laughs> and Nate was like, I got a show for And so from that point on, I started doing shows at West Coast. And being at West Coast, and then making me do actual choreography, and making me have actual lines, <laughs> in English <laughs> and acting and doing plays and things of that nature, it prepared me to be a better, to for the audition for Lion King. So after I spent a year, really one solid year at West Coast, but two years, over the course of two seasons, two years, two seasons, two seasons at West Coast. But that last year, I was there the whole time. Like there was like eight months straight of you're doing this play, you're doing this play, you're understudying for this show, and the show that, and you're doing this other show. I think I did five shows with mm. him. Um, yes, five shows, and um, one of those shows, I have no right being in one of these shows. You would never get a new person, like a new somebody who isn't really trained, right, this opportunity. But they did um, Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill, which I don't know if you've seen that before. Um, you can watch it online, but uh, Audrey McDonald won a Tony for it. Like, she just killed it. I mean, she became Billie Holiday. But I grew up listening to Billie Holiday. Like, I grew up playing video games and listening to like that wasn't anything like I knew most of the music and he heard me playing around backstage one day that sounds like Billy Holiday so he called me up and told me hey could you do this could you understudy this role who was I understudying Melba Moore like how in the world did that happen like I had no business having that opportunity because I was new, like to acting, period. But they gave me opportunities that I had no business having. And if you give me an opportunity like that, I feel so like oh, I gotta live up to this moment. So I just, I studied like nobody's business. I had an acting coach and just went ham in that role. And, you know, singing the song wasn't the problem. Finding the voice wasn't the problem. I had been doing, imitating her since I was 11, yeah. nine actually. Um, your, your cousin, my father, uh, made me, like for my eighth and ninth birthday, gave me a documentary when I wanted a Barbie doll. He gave me a documentary on the story of Jeanette and the yeah. person, of course, and the person that resonated with me was Billie Holiday. I'm like nine years old talking about, my man don't love me. Treats me. Oh, so like, why are you doing this, nine-year-old little girl? <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, yeah. So 
I had opportunities like that to build on. Working on a ship and doing After Midnight Speed, all these, like I was working with um, Broadway people and dance theater of Harlem people and uh, Alvin Ailey people and Metropolitan Opera Ballet, like ballerina people. And so, you know, it was just really, it makes you kind of step up. And so by the second time the audition came around, they called me, they were like, we liked it last time, we want to see you this time. So I, I came in and I was much better. I was much better. And they did not have a spot for me at that particular time. They said, we will call on you when, when you least expect it and when it's most inconvenient. And I was scheduled, I was contracted for the next, like, couple of months when they called. And I was like, I gotta tell them, I gotta tell them I gotta go. <laughs> Ooh, I know you expect me to do this one, but. I've been auditioning for since before I even knew y'all. Yeah. And, and this is a big deal. Like I stayed on land because uh, I like I had worked on a ship and I got a call from um, the color purple while I was on the ship, but I didn't have like the cellular at all. And when I finally got on land, like it was just really tricky auditioning. Like sending an audition with really faulty internet in the middle of the ocean was not working. So I missed that opportunity. And I told him, he was like, you, he was like, call you in for the role of Nettie in, in the color purple. Yes, we are really interested. And I was like, I missed it. Like, I just missed calls. Um, but all things work for the good. And, um, I promised myself I just wouldn't do stuff that took me away from land. So I stayed working with West Coast. I mean, as long as they were hiring me, I was taking it because it kept me in a position to continue auditioning and uh, to be ready. Like if I needed to go somewhere, fly somewhere, I could because I was on land. I actually got the phone call. <laughs> so, um, so that's how that happened. Long story. Yeah, but I mean, that's just amazing. So, I mean, you finally get into Lion King, so you're touring all over. What would you say was your, has been your favorite city to perform in? In life. Oh, that's a tough one. Across Ghana. Yeah, yeah, that, I think that would take the cake. <laughs> And it wasn't, you know, I was with the Lion King for a very short period of time. It wasn't the longest period of time that I was with the Lion King. But Accra, um, in Ghana, I, it was so interesting. Um, it felt like home. Like, I felt like I had gone home for the first time in my life. Like, it was just, I mean, and everybody talks about this. Like, when you go to Africa, did we lose you? You love land, blah blah blah. But it's true. It's true. It's true. So I first of all go in the you land and everybody's black. The police, they're black. <laughs> you know, the the lady at the uh what's it 
colors, customs, and everybody, they're black, everybody, everybody from the top to the bottom, you, you just see everybody, everybody up in here is black. When you go and you see billboards, I remember watching a billboard for, there was a billboard for like mayonnaise, and it was a black woman with a gilet, you know, with them head wraps, and she's like, <laughs> and it was just like, wow, um, and just everybody was black. The soap in the hotel had like cocoa butter in it. It was just amazing. It was, it was like this soap was made for ashy people like me. <laughs> I remember hoarding soap like to take this back home because it was like this soap is made for me. Like this soap smells really like I want to smell and it doesn't dry me out. Like I'm just like, can I get extra soap to go please? Like every hotel that I was in, cause we went to three different cities, but every um, hotel that I went in, I'm like, can I get extra soap? So it was just amazing. And one of the performances was at the cathedral. So we at the cathedral, yeah, um, and like all these like priests were there, and we sang the gospel mass. And you don't know this, but my mom's side of the family is Catholic, so um, so you know going to mass wasn't foreign to me. But they really appreciated us doing this gospel mass, and um, it was just amazing. Like all these African priests and none just jamming in the cathedral it was amazing like it was it was in like the choir like doesn't always like it was a whole bunch of kids when you're under 25 you have the big and you can sing you have the biggest ego ever but in ghana like somehow we were all in alignment and everybody was on one page it was just something magical about being there that made everybody just harmonious for like two weeks <laughs> and it was just like one of the most amazing experiences and I've sung in lots of different places but that to me was the most magical like because it just it felt like home I don't have any of like I had never been home before but that felt like home wow Wow. Did you have, because I know Vic, Vic actually uh, traveled to Nigeria, was it? Yeah, yeah, I remember I remember traveling to Nigeria uh, 10 years ago uh, with my father, who's Nigerian, and yeah. Are I, you uh, uh, Yoruba? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that last name gave you clear away, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah, so I remember we, we went to uh, Nigeria and... Um, yeah, it, it was an it was an amazing experience. You know, it, it was, you know, to be and and you know much much like your experience, just to see everywhere, just black faces everywhere, even on billboards, even even in magazines. It was just like, man, this this really does. I really did have that sense of like being home, home. You know. Yeah. So yeah, that 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 was something that was unforgettable. Like we spent two weeks there, and mm-hmm. man, it's it like if if I could go back there again, I would. Yeah, yeah, like, to me, it was, I, I, ditto, it was just so amazing to be there and soak up all that culture, and, like, people talk about how representation, 
like, oh, why do you need to see this? Or why do you need to see that? But representation matters. Like, we are here just brainwashed into hating ourselves. (laughs) Essentially. And not just us hating ourselves, which we, it, it benefits us to overcome, right? It benefits us to overcome racism, colorism, um, a lack of worth and self-esteem. It, it, it benefits us because it, it, it doesn't serve us to have those negative mindsets of ourselves. So we have to overcome those things just to survive in life. But if you're not, you know, a person of color, if you're not black, there's not necessarily a benefit to you to overcome those things, or you don't see the benefit, or you don't necessarily automatically see that benefit of overcoming a bias right away. Or even the idea that a bias exists is not going to come to you because that's not your experience, right? Like if, if you never had uh, the experience of driving while black and you know all of those kinds of things if you never had that experience um it's and and somebody else says that i've had that experience it's hard for you to believe if you've never ever been pulled over in your life it's like you must have been doing something wrong (laughs) like clearly you're doing something wrong so like that kind of like rep positive representation matters because it's just like, just that that positive thing helps you to see in many ways what you can do, what you can be. Like, you can be the model on the mayonnaise billboard. <laughs> you can, you know, or um, I don't know, you can be a priest or you can be a pilot or you can be an engineer. You know what I'm saying? Not to say that we don't have that representation, but when everyone around you is that, that's an, that's a really powerful thing um, to know that you can uh, you can reach for certain things. I just think I don't know. Just having that experience is just everything black. Like we don't get that here. We just you know we just don't get that. Here. It's a whole different experience being a minority and being in the majority. Completely different. Yeah, I I can definitely imagine. So, um, so, you know, you've been, you know, you traveled on the ship, you know, you've been in Broadway and performed in so many different places. What would you say, like, what were some of your favorite venues to uh, perform in? Theaters and that's nice. Thousand people and all that stuff. I really like small clubs. Really? Like one of my favorite places to perform is Harlem Nights in New York City, and it's a hole in the wall. You can look in the door and see the stage, and people on the stage can, can see you and say, "Are you singing tonight?" I'm like, "Okay, I'll sing." <laughs> like, yeah, that's one of I love singing there, and like. Monday nights was a thing back in the day, um, and not back in the day, I'm sure, but, you know, panorama, um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I like small intimate clubs when I can, um, 
I remember singing at Birdland and just that being really fun. Birdland in New York. Just being just these small kind of more intimate spaces. Um, the theater that I worked for in Sarasota for about two years, that being a smaller venue, you can really see what people how people are reacting. I can see how people are reacting on a when it's like uh, a larger theater because right. you know I can see you <laughs> I can see you falling asleep I can see you recording like <laughs> the whole show like I can see you recording the whole show like I can see all of that but I can really like feel and interact and reach out to and like look the other people in the face and sing directly to people and break the fourth wall I can do all of that just a little more readily in a smaller venue so I like the smaller venues and and I can I can hear the game in right yeah it's, <laughs> much, it's a much more it's a much more intimate environment yeah yeah so that I think there's it's, there's more of a it's a different kind of pressure I don't say it's more of a pressure but it's a different kind of pressure you really want people to feel you Work. You know, you like you work hard to entertain those 200 people in the same way you work hard to entertain a thousand. Right. Like you do. Right. So um, one question too. I'm very curious about this one. So okay, obviously you know you've been touring, you've sung everywhere, and you've sung on a pretty what nightly basis. At, at times yeah so. how, how do you like how do you like rejuvenate your voice because I know like sometimes your, your voice just you know gives up gives out on you at times or you just come home to a sore throat or whatever like how do you rejuvenate that just to go and sing the next day so technically when one is healthy and has a really solid technique you know you're able to do things but sometimes I, I, I can admit I've pushed through when I should not have and from that point on you need to sit down and take a break and heal up and then when you're ready get back in there but I've been blessed you know to be able to recover from some bad times and to learn from some things and be in the process of learning still learning um, but yeah every night having seven shows a week having eight shows a week having nine shows a week so monday is off night for musical theater let me tell you monday is just a talk you know vocalize drink lots of water like it's really you are what you eat and um i know a lot of people on tour who are vegan because their body can't take stuff. If they, you know, their body can't take meat. Their body can't take that fried chicken and be able, you want to fried chicken and perform it for three hours straight. I don't think so. So it's really about what you do. Um, having a solid technique, still taking voice lessons, Skype lessons, um, or Skype speech therapy, or whatever to maintain. And I'll say, look, I'll be honest, I've gotten into trouble. Like knowing when you need to sit down and 
and taking that time to rejuvenate, sit down, learn what you need to learn. Don't make those same mistakes again. When you're ready, if you want to, get back out there. Um, so it's not easy, especially if you have some heavier repertoire. And it's, sometimes it's not even a heavy repertoire, it's just the consistency. Like if you're singing all the time, if you have rehearsals in the day and shows that like, or you have to learn your next role in the daytime. Now you can do that silently. Mental practice is key. Yeah. <laughs> doing as much as you can without using your vocal cords is key. But it comes a point in time where you're gonna have to get it under your belt. So doing stuff in the morning and then full shows at night, you just have to eat healthily, hydrate, maintain a solid pace. All of this means it's what you need um, to maintain. So not being on the phone, not having super duper long conversations. If you're in the middle of one gig, saying no to other gigs that come up in the middle of that one gig so you're not over fatigued. Like, you know, hey, you want to do this while you're down here? Can I use you for this, that, and the third? Maybe not. Like... No, I'd rather do the one job that you're currently paying me for particularly yeah. well. And so <laughs> I can't do this and that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So knowing, knowing when to say no, knowing when to say, okay, I, I can't. And, and really having moments of like releasing your pride and saying, you know what? It's going to have to be an understudy night. It's okay. It's okay. Or you know what? I'm gonna have to back out of this and sit down for a while. It's okay. Yeah, I hear that. So, are there any other like um, Broadway shows that you would like to be a part of? Well, it's not necessarily like Broadway is beautiful, but and I've only done national tours. I haven't been on the Broadway yet. Uh, So I've done Broadway national tours. But, uh, a Broadway national tour, but I would say, um, let me think, I know, oh, if I, honestly, if I can do anything again, that would be so much fun. <laughs> that was just, I feel like I've had that. Um, let's see, other things, I would love to do, um, uh, ragtime, I love ragtime, um, I think those, I really, pretty much, it's been anything Audra McDonald has done. I'm like, oh, I could do that too, Audra. I just want to follow in your footsteps. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like that. But also, um, branching in into TV, film, that kind of thing would be like super cool. Child, let me tell you something. Somebody, when I was working on the ship and I was working with these people, who also the kind of thing. They do TV. They do commercials. They do a whole lot. They've won. Uh, they've won Tony. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so working with people like that just gives you something to aim for. And it's like, you know, seeing, oh, I did that. And I was so happy to get that job where they paid me. And when I see it, I say, you made more in 
See what this is all about. <laughs> now, y'all, what? Let me learn how to act a little more. Let me learn. Yeah. Let me get some movement classes. Let me learn how to dance a little better. Stuff like that. Um. Yeah. So I have a wide, you know, wide interest. But I will say, I'm interested. I'm learning to be interested in other things too. Like right now, I'm working a regular regular job, and I had to like, like pandemic like learn to do things like take over people's computer and solve their technical issues how'd that happen how did that happen like what what so new skill you got to pick them up and you have to be flexible so whatever wherever the career turns whatever it means um, the goal is to stay employed keep mind and body and um any dream collaborators like any collaborations you would say oh my god would love to work with this person or that person Vocal. He was my vocal crush of 2019. He became my vocal crush of 2021. Skip the whole pandemic. He became my vocal crush again in 2021. Like, this man sings lovely. Like, like the best way I can describe him is if um, Kimberell had a baby with Donnie Hathaway and they chose Olita Adams to be the therapy. Mm. Wow. And what's his name and what's his name again? Thomas Backward. The most. Brother can sing. Like sing, 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 sing. Like Bro can really, really sing. Okay. Um oh, okay, I see what... Yeah, you see him now? Yeah. <laughs> He's got gold teeth and he wears a country hat. It's a whole look. He's a whole he does. I, I wouldn't. It, this is definitely one of those don't judge a book by its cover. I was like, he's a whole vibe though. He's a whole vibe. Like, wow. Like, he's a whole vibe. Of course, I love, um, I love Kim Burrell. I love, uh, I love Yolanda Adams. Um, when I was at Morgan, I used to wear braids and I used to try to. My little runs were like Yolanda because I used to listen to her. Yolanda opened up gospel music for me because I hated gospel, but she was so jazzy. Like, it was like, ooh, this is like going to a jazz club. Like, <laughs> and loving the Lord at the same time. Won't he do it? <laughs> yeah, so, I, yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm missing somebody. I, um, I'm sure I'm missing somebody. I'm sure I'm missing a lot of people, but those are who I can think of off the cuff. So. Okay. Okay. So now this one, this question, I'm very curious about. So you're still in Baltimore. Does Baltimore club music still exist? Baltimore club music does exist, and when I hear it, I'm happy. 
That is definitely a vulnerability. It, it's a vibe. You have to, like, Vic, you have to, like, experience it at least one time. Okay, Baltimore Club Music. Baltimore Club Music. I know, and I, I know there's some, I know there's some popular. Uh, I think I, I might be thinking GoGo. It might be something. It might be different. GoGo's DC go. based, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You see her face. You see her face. Oh. It, it's a rivalry between <laughs> that belt. Oh, okay. Between Baltimore Club and GoGo. Because <laughs> I'm, because I'm thinking that classic song. Use the butt. That's GoGo. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Go-Go. Gotcha. Yeah. Chuck yeah. yeah. Brown is GoGo. Chase Swift is. It's re- it's really it's really fast paced. Like. But yeah, like so that's what and so it's just it's like you know Cage Rod Lion doesn't roll like a free one. So I'm our like in trying to maintain our culture and trying to maintain our rhythms, it comes out a little different, right. but it has the same root. And then the movements, if you see like the movements of like Baltimore Club, then you see people in West Africa dancing in a circle, I'm telling you, it's just as fast. It's about, you probably it's just heard. Yeah. kind of crazy leg type, yeah. you know. Those things kind of translate. So I just think that it's really, you know, inherently African. So even though it's very techno, it's yeah. inherently yeah, you probably heard you probably heard a Baltimore Club music song. There's one called I Got My Diamonds on My Neck, Got Control in My Cup. <laughs> that sounds familiar. I that's probably heard it. That's, that, that's a that's an example of a Baltimore Club music okay. rap song. So yeah, Kanye did that to uh, Baltimore. Like he used a Baltimore DJ for that. Yeah. That's a Baltimore, a Baltimore thing. So I think like people in Florida have something similar. Like, 
when I was in Detroit, they had something similar. Um, they, had, you know, Detroit is like techno town. Um, so, you know, I'm sure it's all pulling in, but definitely Baltimore's flavor is certainly unique. And it picks up, and for Baltimore being so rough, like, club music is so dumb and fun. <laughs> it's like, our music is not, it's not rough. Like, like, it's like, why doesn't Baltimore have, like, super hardcore rappers? Like, the only song that came out of Baltimore that you can think of that was hip-hop was that we finally got a... Bob, be rich. That one, like, it was kind of simple and, it was you a know, fun. it was happy. Like, yeah, it, it was, was fun. It was a fun song. We don't want to talk about shoot em up <laughs> because you can just walk out to your house and see it. So when you go to the club, you want to get rid of that. You want to, <laughs> there's a club, there's a club mix called Dance My Pain Away. Do you remember that one? Which one? Dance My Pain Away. I don't, uh, no. It literally says, dance my pain away. I got problems. Whoa, whoa. Literally, it's a whole song. Um, it's start. It's starting to. Okay, it does sound familiar. I would have to like YouTube it or something. I do remember Watch Out for the Big Girl though. That one was just funny to me. Oh, oh my gosh, my sister used to love that song. <laughs> <laughs> the big girl, big big girl. That was. Big, big that was a whole thing. But yeah, Baltimore club music. It's always like kind of this lighthearted. Literally, dance so hard, you're dancing off trauma, you're dancing off pain, you're dancing off whatever happened to you before you heard this music. And um, it's definitely its own thing. I mean, really, that's, I think that's in part, in essence, why we don't have, like, not saying that we don't have strong rappers, but, like, in essence, that's why our hip-hop culture has never been so, you know, we didn't necessarily have that because when we do music, we don't want to be gangster. We we want to have a good time. Like, like this is the gangsters release, or this is like not even the gangsters release, but like the average person in Baltimore has seen something or has experienced something, or you know. So to have that fun music is just much needed. Much needed release. Right, right. So you did mention that you did, you know, do, you know, play some video games here and there. Are you a, are you still a gamer at all? No, I was never really a gamer. Okay, I had the last game system I had was a Sega Genesis. Okay, I grew out of that real fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jordan's the okay, so Jordan's the only one. <laughs> Jordan, do you do you play with Jordan now? Cause he's still playing. I don't. Have, I haven't talked to Jordan in a while either. Cause he did live in Rhode Island for a while, but we just never had a chance to like meet up. Actually, he's still back and forth, so just give him a call. I'm definitely yeah. I definitely got you. I gotta get his gamer tag and all that. But um, I want to switch it over to uh, Vic's uh, this or that. Unless you had any other questions. Oh no, no, I, I, I have some, I have a, I have some, I have some cool ones. I was looking up some other, uh, some other stuff since we're, since you're all talking about like Baltimore club music. 
So I'll, I'll throw that in the this and that, this uh-huh. or that. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, this or that. Um, it's a it's a game that's actually it's actually a feature from one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, Jamel Hill is unbothered, and so she asks her guests. Um, uh, uh, she gives the guests like two choices, and they have to pick one. They can't they can't say both. They can't say neither. They can't fence it. They gotta choose one or the other. Uh, so like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know it's, it's a lot of pressure, but you know, <laughs> but yeah, this or that. Um, so I got a, I got a few ones that I, that I'm just that I'll just um, throw out here. So looking at Baltimore club songs here, and starting with artists, um, this or that. Which Baltimore club artist do you prefer, Black Star or K Swift? K Swift represent for the ladies. <laughs> okay. That was that was uh, that was too easy. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, Dance my pain away or watch out for the big girl. Dance my pain away. <laughs> I gotta go watch out for the big girl. I just had hear way too many laughs with that one. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Not trying to body shame or anything, but it's a fun. It's a fun song. Wow. Oh, see now now I'm I'm actually looking through a list of like Baltimore club songs. I just Googled it and I didn't know Peanut Butter Jelly Time was one of them. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Not bad. Wow. But we do we take a lot of music that's already like in syndication. We'll even dance to the Sesame Street song. <laughs> okay. I, I do remember I this. Know. I do remember this one song and the 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 My Dingling song. Yep, <laughs> they they made that into um, if you remember like the little kids taking it on the Simpsons. Wow, they really they, really they made that into a Baltimore club song. Wow, just yeah, we take anything again. <laughs> it's really simple, silly, and fast. It has to be really fast. Yeah. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. Um, let's see another uh, this or that. Um. Let's see, Billie Holiday or Etta James? Billie. Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Um, okay, I, I got one. Okay. This has been our ongoing argument, so we got to see who. We ask every guest this. Pineapple pizza, yeah, pizza yes or no? Yes. God damn it. Thank <laughs> you. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. No, you know when you get it with the, like, Hawaiian pizza? Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. I don't eat that anymore. I'm delivered. But it's, <laughs> I'm delivered. Uh, but yo, that's a whole box. I don't eat it anymore. But it's good. It's good. See, you, you see, got one. You got one, okay? Majority okay. majority usually rules, and everybody says no. See, see, you know, we, we go back and forth. I always tell people, like, you, you have to have pineapples with like actual cut pineapples not from a can has to be freshly cut you know with freshly cut ham and there you go i guarantee you wherever you eat it from can come from a can probably i like it better because it's sweeter that's the problem (laughs) (laughs) that's sweet and savory thing i just can't do but see it has to be the hawaiian so not the like marinara sauce Mm. but the like barbecue Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Bar- look, look, Carl, the barbecue. <laughs> I eat barbecue chicken pizza. You know, up here we have a place that serves chicken bacon ranch. Yeah, I'll do that one all day. I haven't had that one in a long time either. I'm slacking. But 
Oh. Okay, you got one. You got one. Okay. Um, let's see. Another another one. Um, oh gosh. Now, now now I'm taking it to like some classic albums. Uh, okay. All right. So, and this and this is another one that we that we've had a uh, have a back and forth on. Mm-hmm. Also on Jamil Hill is unbothered. Some guests had the back and forth on this one. Michael Jackson. What is the better album, Off the Wall or Thriller? This is really easy. No, it's not. Oh yeah, it is. There, <laughs> no, it's easy. There's, there's a, only one right answer. Yeah. Off the Thriller had Billy and Jean. Mm-hmm. And off the wall Okay, Joanna, you broke me. You're breaking my heart. Ah, oh, Listen, off the wall is the black is the black people's album. Thriller is the white people's album. I do like off the wall. No, see, but see, when I was a kid though, I used to put band-aids on my fingers so I could have my fingers taped up, and I was doing the Michael Jackson moves, and I would walk on steps pretending they would light up underneath of me. Eugene <laughs> in the album. Mm-hmm. Thriller scared me. Like <laughs> the, the music video that scared me. That had, that gave me nightmares. I love that video. That was a whole bop. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an incredible album. And 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 I gotta say, like to sit to call off the wall the quote unquote black Michael Jackson album and Thriller the white album. That's the most bizarre critique I've heard of any Michael Jackson album. As a DJ, when I DJ black barbecues. Mm-hmm. I play more off the wall songs than I do Thriller. Okay. When I DJ white parties, I play more Thriller songs than off the wall songs. It, 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 yeah. See. see. What well, my I'm sticking with it. Okay. Yeah. Th- oh, th- Thriller, Thriller. The you know, yeah. When you're right, you're right. Uh, uh, uh here's another one. Um. Let me see. Okay, the better uh, Eddie Murphy uh, comedy, Coming to America or Harlem Nights? Coming to America. But here's the thing: he just hates Harlem Nights, so you just need <laughs> he he just need. That's an easy one. That's that like, one was I, too easy. No, like coming to it, like Harlem Nights. Even though, oh, it won't shoot me in the pinky toe. It's hilarious. Everything else kind of was like he wasn't particularly funny. Thank you. The movie is hilarious, yeah. Just yes. Harlem Nights, as he was in in Coming to America. Mhm. Right. Coming yeah. Coming to America was hilarious. Like the whole accent, all the characters, like that was that was epic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I mean, I'm not gonna disagree because Coming to America is my all-time favorite. But Harlem Nights is good. Is it though? Yes. Because and, and and to your point, Joanna, like I've I've watched Harlem Nights as well, and besides the pinky toe scene, like everything just fell flat. 
And it was so weird because how do you have all of that legendary com black comedic talent in one film and there's no comedic timing? It's, it's, the, it's the most bizarre film. Okay, so Della Reese and Red Fox going back and forth. Even then, I was just like... That was... I was just like, oh, grandma and granddad are arguing. Okay. All right. You Have you ever heard two old people cussing, cuss at each other? I have. It's amazing. <laughs> you want to do the sandwich? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, well I, I mean... I mean, but hey, coming to America is the right answer, so I'll take that. <laughs> it, it is my all-time favorite. I will give you that. Just how nice it is good. All right. Uh, ooh, man. Gosh, I'm trying to think of an trying to think of another one. Um, ooh. Mahalia Jackson or Yolanda Adams? Okay, that's a good. Mahalia. One. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, and. And speaking of Mahalia Jackson, um, there, there was an excellent documentary, which I talked about recently on the, on the podcast, called Summer of Soul. Um, it's on... Oh, yeah, I saw it. You saw... Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was extraordinary. Yeah. yeah, like, she was phenomenal. Like, do you know, uh, they used to... People used to think my grandmother looked like Mahalia Jackson. Oh, really? I can... I can see that. I, I, I can see Annaline, God rest her soul, getting getting that comparison. Basically, like you're my hand. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, my hand, my hand. Okay. All right. Um, let me see. Uh, I, I, a uh, couple of uh. uh Musically inclined black films, also uh, stage uh, plays. Well, one of which was a stage play. Uh, Lady Sings the Blues or Dream Girls? Dream Girls. Mm, okay. All right. Haven't seen what? either one. <laughs> you haven't seen either? Neither one. I saw bits and pieces of uh, Dream Girls, like the, re you know, the recent one that came out, but I never like really sat down and watched it. It's so good. Jimmy got no. Jimmy got mm -hmm. Jimmy got no. <laughs> yep. Jimmy won't vote. Oh. James Thunder early. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. Like, it's really... Watch the whole thing with um, Jamie Foxx. It's really good. Um, the original is cool, too. The original is great. Because I had, like, the original Jennifer Holiday just being... At her peak, singing big and very Broadway and just phenomenal, awesome. Uh, what was the other one? The recent Jennifer Hudson. There we go. Jennifer Holiday versus Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Holiday. I gotta stick with the original. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the other one we mentioned was Lady Sings the Blues. Lady Sings the Blues. So I watched it, like, I watched that kind of a lot growing up. I think it was a little odd um, in the sense that, like, it was Diana Ross playing Joey Holiday. Uh, and even though she was tough for Diana, it wasn't quite. I didn't see Billy. I saw Diana when I watched it. Hmm. Whereas the, and those, oh, sorry. 
so um, they, I don't think they should be necessarily compared. These are two different stories. But the more recent one with um, Audra Day. Oh, I heard she was really good in that. I haven't seen it yet. The United States versus Billie Holiday. Oh my gosh. And to know, you know, it's Billie Holiday who actually started the war on drugs. Wow. Mm. Like the United States versus the Billie, Billie Holiday was the beginning of the war on drugs. I read that while I was preparing for Lady Day. And I had no mm. Like they hounded her. They didn't. They didn't think about all the people who did drugs back in the day. They're, they're chasing a drug addict, and they planted drugs on her. And her, the person that they got in the FBI to follow her, um, they planted drugs on her. They did a lot of things to her to intentionally get her caught. And um, But it's because she's saying strange fruit. Mm. Like, if she didn't sing strange fruit, then... That would have never happened. They told her to stop. She said, nah, <laughs> and kept going. And she paid a, a big price for that. I mean, if you think of all the other jazz musicians who died from an overdose, right? Like, no one was hounding them. You know, the FBI wasn't following them, but they were following her. And they, they the drugs would be the excuse, mm-hmm. right? So we can, we can call this a war on drugs, but really it's a war on these artists. Oddly enough, the same thing eventually happened in hip-hop. Like, there was a whole police detective unit um, assigned to, like, hip-hop artists. And what did they do? They they got them for weed, right? Uh, Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, but no, we're getting you. We're literally stalking because you're producing this music that we think is poisoning our children and we don't want you producing music anymore. How can we stop you? Like, we throw you in jail. Um, so that's like, like she's the precursor to all of it. Which mm. is like... And it was all portrayed in that movie? Yeah, that the, the FBI people are following her and they're doing stuff to her and trying to get her trapped, but yeah, that's in there. It's in there. But that woman was so out there. With, you know, in the church, they would call her loose. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But she was just really, she was just really out there. Um, And so, her and her self, you know, the FBI had this man assigned to her, but she ended up making him a lover. So, like, <laughs> like, mm. yeah, really. stuff happens. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's see. I have two more. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, another one. Um, which is the better uh, iteration of this classic story? The 1939's Wizard of Oz. Or 1979's The Wiz. The Wiz. 
Wizard, Wizard of Oz? Okay, yep, we'll, we'll take that. You know what she said. <laughs> <laughs> no, and let me tell you, love Judy Garland, love Somewhere Over the Rainbow, love the way Judy Garland sang, and, I mean, just this big, powerful voice. And it's a classic. There, It's a classic. But let me tell you what wins the wins all the way over. The choreography. Period. I saw the Wiz in the Park in New York. Um, it's the same park where they had the Summer of Soul in Harlem. Marcus Garvey? Is that Marcus Garvey? That park, when you get off the A train and you walk. <laughs> oh, the Marcus Garvey park? <laughs> so, when that park. I can't even think of what. I think it's Marcus Garvey. Is it Marcus Garvey or is it Marcus Garvey? Well, anyway, yeah. that park there. That was phenomenal. Um, Lord, why can't I think of his name? Uh, the choreographer from The Wiz. I gotta look that up. He is phenomenal. They had, let me tell you what they had for a set. They had a flagpole with a drape and a shack. Like a cardboard shack. Okay? That's it. He took that flagpole with this drape. And those dancers came out and became the hurricane. When I say George, 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 what's George like? Faison. That's the choreographer. Phenomenal. When they turned that 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 little drape into a hurricane, the way they danced, I saw the hurricane. I saw the movement. I saw the tornado. I saw it. Oh, that choreography is like off the chain like it was so moving like and I don't you know you see shows and people are dancing and they're singing but to see these people just dancing their tails off it was phenomenal like so that choreography takes the witness to a whole nother I mean and you know you know he's on down the road yes be a Lion is one of my favorite songs. One of my favorite songs from the musical. Amazing. Amazing. Um, she even sung it. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's it. I, yeah, but it's the choreography. George Faison's choreography takes that thing to a whole other level. No one can top that. No, that's why it got the, the Oscar was, I mean, not the Oscar, the Tony was for that dancing. They got Tony for them dance. He got that Tony for that dance, and honey, it was amazing. Hmm. Indeed. Yeah. Maybe, you know, should maybe give it another shot. Yeah. You know, no. No. Well. From that perspective. Yeah. You know. Uh. Okay. Okay. Yep. Well said. Well said. Um. Not the move. Not. Not the movie. The actual. Of the, the actual stage of production. So not the movie. Okay. Not the movie. Boom. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and lastly, uh, and this one's a little, little more open-ended. Um, favorite Audra McDonald performance? Um, 
<laughs> Let's see. Like anything she touch she touches, she does particularly well. Um, hmm. I mean, I really loved her in Lady She was also great in Ragtime. I mean, she's a little stellar in Ragtime. It's so much. It's so much. <laughs> no, you just made you just made this hard for her. Yeah, I mean. I mean, she's a phenomenal actress. I've seen her live. Uh, if you know she plays piano, like she plays plays like piano. Um, let me see. Oh, she's gonna be in the no movie respect. Right. Yeah, she plays uh, Aretha Franklin's mother. She just she just be working, okay? Yeah. Like she just be and working. So I would say no, just because I have all this like intimacy with Lady Day, I'm gonna say that Lady Day was the transformation of a lifetime. Like anybody who can do that is pretty spectacular to me. So. Okay. All right. Now this is uh, Vic's va- uh, Vic's new uh, favorite part of the show, the Codex retrospective. So um, I already got enough grays as it is, <laughs> but grays in right now apparently. So <laughs> yeah. So uh, oh yeah. So um. So as I mentioned at the top of the program, uh, like every week, our weekly feature here is the Codex retrospective, in which I mention. Um, you know, you know, popular um, or notable uh, movie releases, album releases, maybe some video games or books like from years past. Um, some of which, some of which might be familiar. Um, some of which might, you know, kind of take you on a trip through memory lane. Uh, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll 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 kick out kick it off here. We have several several ones here as well. So for the uh, Codex retrospective and some of this, you know, for for uh, nerd nerd listeners out there, a core audience. Uh, we first uh, go all the way back 35 years ago, on August 6th, 1986, uh, the, the popular Nintendo franchise Metroid was released uh, for the Famicom, which is the Japanese Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah. 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 I remember Metroid. We had Metroid. My dad's st- still a gamer. Arthritis and all, he still plays. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Metro. So yeah, this uh yeah this week uh or yeah well as of last week um uh, Metroid celebrates its thirty uh, fifth anniversary. So yeah. It's still around. Yep, it's still around, and there's a new game coming out in October too. So they're still kicking after all these years. Look at that. Yeah. No. Oh yeah. Um. Also, we're going back thirty three years ago on August eighth, nineteen eighty eight. NWA's Straight Outta Compton is released. Yeah, I, you know. How long ago? Uh, 33, 33 years ago, 80, 1988. NWA, Straight Outta Compton, you know, with the title song, Express Yourself, F the Police. Um, yeah, that's the de- debut of Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, MC Ren, uh, DJ Yella. Yep, Easy E. Easy, and Easy E, yeah. Yep. Wow. 
83 years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah that, that album sparked you have to hip-hop now. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, sparked the whole uh, gangster rap genre as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, 33 years ago. Uh, also, going on the movie front, uh, 28 years ago, on August uh, 6th, 1993, uh, Harrison Ford's The Fugitive was released in theaters. Uh, starring Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones, Jones. who won an Oscar uh, for that. Yep, for Best Supporting Actor. Um, yeah, one of the most popular uh, movies of the of the early 90s, and one of Harrison Ford's most notable ones. Um, of course, that, that classic scene where he's like, oh, I, I didn't kill my wife, and then he jumps out down the oh, waterfall. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's actually quite good. Yeah, it's actually quite good. It's like one of those movies where... Like you've probably like seen like like previews of it uh, like as a kid like in the nineties, yeah. but if you watch it, it's like wow, this still holds up. Yeah. It's actually quite entertaining. We're about to see it. Who's seen it? Yeah. Oh, I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, also, going to uh, twenty-two years ago, on August sixth, nineteen ninety-nine, which saw the release of M Night Shyamalan's The Sixth Sense and The Iron Giant in theaters. Both films released on the same weekend. Yeah. Yep. He ain't done much since, has he? Yeah, he hasn't done a whole lot since the sixth sense. I know he did like AI, artificial intelligence. He did do that one, I remember that. And then like he hasn't done a whole lot since then. But yeah, the sixth sense still holds up. Still one of M. Night Shyamalan's uh best movies. Um the whole I see dead people and and the, and the whole twist ending which made that movie so memorable. Uh yeah. Still holds up. And of course, the Iron Giant. One of Never the, sat down and watched it. The Iron Giant. Yeah. Oh, it's one of the one of the great modern animated uh, films. It's on Disney Plus, I think. It's probably not what? Disney Plus. Yeah. But it's it's not a Disney production though. It mm-hmm. it was written and directed by Brad Bird, who did Ratatouille and The Incredibles. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've ne- You know what? Look, in the 90s, I was a kid, and I could not watch Rated R, PG-13. You know, like, I couldn't watch movies like that. Oh. They were really strict on you? Mm. Yeah, like, you know, they say, you know, you grew up in a certain time when your mother wouldn't let you watch The Simpsons. I couldn't watch The Simpsons. The Simpsons? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. At first. At first. <laughs> That one I can't understand, but we were allowed to watch The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. That was just my mom. My mom was straight. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Right, everybody's educated. <laughs> All the kids are educated. So, I mean, it paid off. <laughs> uh, uh, also, going back 20 years ago, on August 7, 2001, we saw the release of two albums in the same weekend. The first was Jada Kiss. Kiss the Game Goodbye, his debut solo album, was released. Um, still holds up. Yeah. Yep. Oh, we saw it last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dipset, Dipset versus Locks. Jada Kiss <laughs> mopped the floor with them. <laughs> and that pairing, I was like, why did they do that, though? Like, and then when they came up, I was like, have you ever seen a Grammy? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. They were like, we got Grammys. They, we know what Grammys look like. 
they know what grams look like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's madness. Oh, it's mm. madness. But honestly, I probably would say it. It honestly became the best versus I've ever that I have seen. I agree. Really. I agree with that. Yeah. It was too much. It was too much. Too many people on stage not that... doing anything. I can't. I can't. Yeah. Don't be this way. Dance. Perform. Do something. Smile. <laughs> Do something in the background. You know, fossy hands. I don't care what's going on, but this just, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It really knocked what was my first place was uh, Nelly versus Ludacris. Brought me back to when I had the last time I saw her was when I had my braids in my hair. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, you had cornrows. I did. not mm. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, yeah. Jada Kiss, uh, Kiss the Game Goodbye was released. Also, um, also on August 7, 2001, Usher's album 8701 was released as well, with uh, "You Got It Bad," "You Remind Me," and "You Don't Have to Call" as the main singles. Wasn't Burn on that album? No. No. Let it Burn was on, like, Confessions, I think. It was on Confessions, yeah. Yeah. Wait, what was on this Usher album? Uh, uh, you Remind Me, uh, You Don't Have to Call, and You Got It Bad. A lot of you songs. Yeah. It I don't know what's a good song. I, I don't know what's a good song on that. I got a DJ this weekend. I may have to get that one. Mm. Yep. You know, you got it bad sounds like something Tony Braxton would say. Like, mm-hmm. there's, like, I never, like, even while Usher was singing that, there's, there's several Usher songs where I just imagine other people singing it. Is that bad? Like, Usher, <laughs> Usher, you got it bad, Tony Braxton, I could just hear them saying, no, you got it bad when like I could just see Tony doing that low. Nailed that. <laughs> Yo, nailed that. Yo, that that was a pitch perfect Tony Braxton impression, uh, uh, Joanna. I must say. Tony got that that low back singing, but um, like and and what was that one? There goes my there goes my baby. Sounds like something Michael Jackson would sing. Mm-hmm. That one that sounded like Prince. Um, oh, he had a song that reminded me of Prince, and I can't remember what it was, but he had a song that was definitely like, this sounds like something Prince would do. Like, this, I can't think of the name of the song, but yeah, when I hear him sing, it's like, we want to sound like the legend. I wouldn't agree. I wouldn't disagree to that one. It's just I feel like it's it's weird, but you got it bad. I always wanted to sing. I always wanted to hear Tony Braxton on that. Don't don't ask me what it just sounds like. The the way the line moves and everything about that song screams out Tony Braxton. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then it seems like such a girl song. Like what guy is singing in the house talking about you got it bad because you sing it in the house. Like, that's much of a... I swear that's a song they wanted to give to Tony, and they just was like, she rejected it, and Usher took it up. Just like, stuck by the phone, stuck in the house, you don't want to have fun. Nah, that's not a dude. That's a girl. 
Well, I mean, some, I mean, some, sometimes you know, some, some, some people, some guys may be all in their feelings. You know, yes. Brian Michael Cox and Jermaine Dupree wrote it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, also, uh, going back uh, on the movie front, uh, 17 years ago, on August uh, 6th, 2004, uh, Collateral was released in theaters, Such a good movie. starring Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise and uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, directed by Michael Mann. Yeah, um, we won't say who. <laughs> oh, one alert, somebody. I know it's, it's a seventeen-year-old movie. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, it, it's 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 an excellent movie. I think it was, for me, it was uh, Michael Mann's last great movie that he did. Yeah, especially like the scene where like he's talking to where Tom Cruise is having a discussion about jazz. Oh yeah, with in the, the club. Yeah, with Barry Shabaka Henley. Yeah, that was a. Good that was a tense scene. Yeah, got real intense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talking about yeah, t- uh, debating about Miles Davis, and then have you seen it? It's been years. Yeah. Oh, I, I saw it only once, so it's not much of something I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I did see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shoot him right there. <laughs> um, also, uh, we're going back uh, ten years ago on August eighth, twenty eleven. Uh, Jay Z and um, ugh, Kanye West released their joint album, Watch the Throne. Very good album. When that came out, I was in grad school and I used to work for Umich Catering. So, like, there was this guy who washed pots and pans and he always just played the radio. And um, the one with the Otis. Yeah. I heard Otis. I was supposed to be serving some people. I had like this tray in my hand, and but Otis came on, and I was like on the steps, and I was like, like, yes, yes, they mixed the Otis with the yes. This is everything. I was like, yes, that was everything. That was such a good song too. It was. The music video was epic. Just rhyming her like that. I was like, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when Kanye was still Kanye, he was starting to lose it. But no, he was starting to lose it around that time. Yeah. But I still liked it. Like, like it was good. You know, fall so hard. Like that was good. Yeah, New Day was actually my favorite song on there, produced by the RZA. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back and listen to that album. It's been years since I've uh, since I've listened to it. Um, cause I've like I know, like I've, I haven't been the biggest Kanye fan for like since maybe since like 2009. Is my dark twisted, beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Probably his last good one. And, and real good one. Yeah, his last real good one. And also, I'm not, I'm not a fan of Kanye as a person. So you know, so that's why I don't really check for most of his stuff at all, or any of his stuff really post, um, 2009. But I'll give Watch the Throne another, another shot, because there were there were some joints I liked on there. Has Donda come out yet? I think it got delayed again. Yeah, let's hope it stays that way. <laughs> Jesus. Um, because uh, yeah, it got delayed again. Whoa. Good. Whoa. Good. As as well it should because anybody who says that slavery is a choice, well, doesn't deserve to be listened to. Um, so yeah, let's move on. 
Let's move on because you know, ain't, 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 real hip hop heads don't check for Kanye West anymore. Anyway, let's move on to six years ago, on uh, uh, August seventh, twenty fifteen. And since we're talking about problematic faves, uh, Dr. Dre, his uh, his album, his third album, Compton, uh, was released uh, around the same time as Straight Outta Compton, the movie. I enjoy that album. I still listen to it from time to time. On my it, like when I hook up my phone to my Bluetooth. It, pops up and then i find myself just playing and enjoying it i wasn't i wasn't a big fan of compton i think there was only one song that i really enjoyed off the compton album that was the song genocide because because of the beat the beat was the beat was tremendous Uh, but that was it give it another shot i mean uh it all falls down on me um talking to my diary medicine with eminem <laughs> she's more musically cultured than I am. Hey, okay. Um, <laughs> um, yep, so there's that. And also, lastly, to wrap up, um, August 5th, uh, to wrap up uh, five years ago, on August 5th, 2016, back on the movie front, uh, David Ayer's Suicide Squad uh, was released in theaters. Unfortunately. Yeah, um, it, it, if you haven't seen it, it's it's a it's a terrible it's a terrible movie, and you know don't waste your time. Um, but the new one is actually good, which which we will review for next week's episode of the Codex Prime podcast. All right. Yeah. So that's uh, this week's uh, Codex retrospective. And uh, yeah. Got anything else? Um. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got on my end, uh, Joanna. Um. It's it's been a pleasure. Once again, thank you so much for joining us uh, this week. Um, uh, yeah, and um, if if anything, please tell tell the good people uh, where they can find you and your work. Well, right now I'm sitting down, but <laughs> right now I'm staying out of the theaters. Don't let the Rona get on you. Um, but uh, what you can do is you can always go to my website. Um, JoannaMarieFord.com. I have things on YouTube. Just look up Joanna Marie Ford um, there as well. So that's where you can find me. Oh yeah, definitely check out the "He Lives in You" video that came that you put. I think you posted. I was like, yo, this was really good. And then I'm like, okay, where's Joanna? Like, I'm not even paying attention to the lead scene. I'm like, where's Joanna? Where's Joanna? <laughs> You were, uh, you was, I caught you. And I was like, yes, yeah. there she is. Well, cool beans. Well, it's good to see you again. You Kyle. too. You too. Girl, Hopefully, it won't girl. take. First of all, like I, like I said, I ain't seen my cousin Carl in a month of Mondays, maybe even more than a month of Mondays. <laughs> so, so, for real, legit, like more than a month of Mondays. So, yeah. We gotta keep up, cause yeah, definitely. I I gotta make my way back back down there. Well, don't be in a rush. I gotta catch the crap piece. We here, we here. <laughs> yeah. Nah, 
Robbie, yeah, I'm definitely gonna make it up. You make sure you tell Carla, Jordan, your mom, and Robbie I said hello. Thing up. All right, and uh, and just to wrap up here, um, you can catch all of our episodes. Uh, we're live uh, every Tuesday evening around 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, you can catch all of our uh, episodes on Spotify and SoundCloud, um, iTunes, where you can hit us up with that five-star review, as well as uh, Google Google Play, uh, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, and wherever you can find podcasts. Just Google Codex Prime, and you'll see us pop up everywhere. Awesome. Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and of course, social media of Instagram at Codex Prime Podcast and Twitter at Codex Prime Cast. Yeah. And Crafty Canto Cuts for all our merch for your Codex merchandise needs. Yes. Yes, indeed. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, well, that, that does it for this week's episode of the Codex Prime Podcast. Um, as always, uh, we will catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. Later. Bye.